You're listening to Monday Science Podcast, the show that brings you the latest in science, technology and health with your host, me, Dr. Bahija Raimi Abraham. email and messaging and all that stuff it's a big issue communication and how we choose to communicate in the academic space whether it's also to the undergrads to the PhD researchers it is so important and that comment I really like the way you put it about you know that expectation to be constantly switched on no actually I I have things you know I have other things that are important and it's a it's a big issue actually because you get you get the I don't know how to put this it, it's a communication is a tricky one and especially with emails and how you can either have them on your phone or not and there is that I think I remember a time as I, that makes me sound really old but it's not so much about age but I do remember a time where if somebody emailed you it was perfectly acceptable to answer give a response in like three days time yeah. you know it, it it didn't matter if you replied in three days then it sort of moved forward to a couple of days and thing and then now it's 20 before then it was 24 hours but now I've had that say oh I need an urgent reply from you and I look at the email I'm in the middle of something I haven't been able to reply then the next day oh did you see my email email boundaries is 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 a big thing and then also as you said as well the messages in that conversation around should you exchange telephone numbers whatsapp you know is that a a good medium to communicate I personally disagree I I personally think unless uh, somebody's giving me a work phone anything that's on my phone is personal and and I think there's no I have no need to message somebody uh, yeah I like that approach and I'm the same like I don't you know my my phone is is my space and I'm not I'm not going to message no. people out of out of on, on my weekend I want to talk a little bit more about the tools you provide to support people um, in with academic mental health. And I would like to talk a little bit maybe about, so how, okay, actually maybe I can give you a bit of a backstory to how I came across you. I was, it was during lockdown. I'd seen your posters or f- things on social media before, but I didn't connect. I didn't connect to the person. I just, oh, this is very good information. Um, and uh, when lockdown happened and co- the coronavirus and, and COVID-19, all that stuff, um, I have three PhD students. I'm group leader, three PhD students. And I started to panic that, oh my gosh, I've never been in a pandemic before. Nobody has, you know. <laughs> um, so how best can I support them in this time and um, that's when I actually came across uh, some more of your your uh, posters um, giving advice about mental health and, and just that just even starting that discussion which served as a really good catalyst for conversation with my PhD researcher so I actually want to say thank you for that because if not not having that immediate sort of oh my gosh where can I get this resource from because as much as with the pandemic, um, we're all experiencing different things, but the the challenge that people don't maybe appreciate for in particular PhD researchers that maybe have just started or anything like that is that you have the pandemic baseline stress and then you've got the PhD baseline stress, like, you know, and then combined, it's a nightmare. And um, then also me as a group leader, I'm trying to keep it together. <laughs> um, but also, regardless, you have a responsibility because regardless of anything, whether independent, you still ha- you still have your role 
in that kind of leadership role where you do have to support. So I guess when I, in my roundabout way, I'm really saying thank you because if there weren't those resources available, it would have actually been quite difficult to even have a basis of conversation um, there. So um, yeah, I guess I would like to just find out that Jenny talked about the posters and how it was at the RS, uh, RSC, RSC, yeah, conference. Um, but yeah, I just like to talk a bit more about the tools you've generated, like the things you do to support um, academic mental health. Yeah, um, so other than the posters, so I mean, I've got, so with the posters, I recently completed a series. So like I've got undergraduate, um, uh, PhD, postdoc um, professors, and I've also got technical staff as well. Oh, um, so, I, so I wanted to have like a series of posters just to kind of, I think I think with a lot of mental health, we're often surrounded by people um, and we ne don't necessarily know what they're going through. So I think the posters were kind of like my way of summarising the key points that people experience so that there's that um the other thing is that um in june this year me and a wonderful woman marissa edwards um who's actually based in australia we started a a blog um called uh, voices of academia um and what we what we've got is um people from all over the world blogging for us now um and covering their own mental health experiences through that blog um, so that's been like that's really fun um, you know it's sometimes it's a little bit heartbreaking to see the experiences that people people are ex experiencing but also quite like giving people the, the the forum to actually go into detail about their experiences and help maybe help someone else so um, that's been really good um, I also this year ran a, the 100 voices campaign so um, I ran uh, a 100 day social media campaign where I had 100 researchers detail their mental health um, mm -hmm. concerns during their academic experiences, whether they're professor or PhD students, um, and talk through that and then also give um, some tips and advice that they would give give other people about dealing with mental health in academia. And I, I enjoyed doing that because it was just so many people want to actually tell their experiences and don't have have the medium to do so um and then more recently i've i've started to to do a few talks as well so um but yeah like i it's it's been very organic i would love to say it's been like again some kind of like major plan with it but i've just kind of seen the gaps and gone with it and you know it it blows my mind a little bit that some of my posters are used like around people will message me saying that they used it and I'm just like I really shouldn't be the go-to for this like you know <laughs> it, I, I try and I try and make sure it's very obvious that I'm you know I'm not I'm a scientist I'm not a psychologist and and things like that and you know there is just a, such a huge gap if my if my stuff can make a difference if that's how I feel about it anyway. No I completely agree and I think you know what you have done has create you've created a space and visibility for discussion which um the discussions and, and also, I guess, with social media, which widens the community. And it's very interesting to see that people, you know, in America and wherever other parts of the world are still having the same experience. And I think I do agree with you in that it does show that there is still a lot more to do in this area if people are not I don't mean it that they're coming to you. But as you said, you know, no, if they're not going to a psychologist or, you know, because yeah. there is, it's it's it's. I think the the powerful powerful thing 
this discussion around academic mental health is that it's not just scientists, it's, you know, people in the arts and humanities sector. So it goes beyond Mm -hmm. us in science. And it's very interesting and sad as well to see that in other sectors, other disciplines, they're experiencing similar similar things um but you know being able to have resources as as i said as somebody who's used the resources it does help because it just initiates conversation and even if it ends up being uh, over the you know coffee tea conversation it's better than nothing right. um and and I, I do wish though that people because you tend to find the people who access or try and access resources are the ones who um care or they may have had a bad experience or negative experience and then they choose not to want to put that onto somebody else um but it's always it feels that it's always the same people that want to address you know the challenges of in academia and, and things like that and it's there's some people who are just completely stuck in their ways like it, it and that i don't know what the solution is there if i you know if if i did um i'd love to i'd love to, yeah I, i'd love to know as well um like it's often the case it's the same with with DEI efforts as well like it's like um the people that really need to hear it are often not in that room yeah um and yeah I don't know how we get through we get through that barrier and the only thing that we can really do is come together as a community and like normalize mental health for people that are experiencing it and support Mm -hmm. those people and create that community and be like okay well you know there are those people that are going to laugh at the concept of self-care or are going to be like well we're you know we're academics what what has what what has mental health got to do with being an academic and people are always going to have those viewpoints but if we can try and quieten that down a bit to, and provide a little bit more space for people that are struggling then we're more likely to get those people that are struggling through the academic system into positions of power where they can start to make yes. a difference yes oh perfectly said and um, you also had started the uh, hashtag academic mental health um how did that come about and how is it going actually if, if you know anything Again, I'd, I'd love to say that there was like a major <laughs> plan, but like, I, I just like, you know, sitting on Twitter and, and seeing some of the things going on and I'm like, well, actually, we don't have a unified hashtag for this. Um, and at that point, I'd reached enough followers that I thought maybe if I made a made a, a hashtag, then people would start to use it. And um, so I, I just like put up, a, put up a, a poll one day being like you know what do, what what would you like to people and people voted and gave ideas and so I tried to make it very much like not my choice as to what what it would be but yeah. a community choice and then you know we decided to like the people being like okay well maybe we should have academic mh as the hashtag and then there were a few people being like well actually if it's mental health let's spell it out let's have yeah. it written there let's not put it behind like yeah. you know so I think with academic mental health as a hashtag, it's visible, it's there. Um, and so, yeah, I put it out there. And what what's brought me great joy is just seeing people using it. And, you know, there'd be a large portion of people that never know that I started the hashtag. Mm-hmm. And that's fine with me. Like, I don't do any of this for, the, you know, for, for anything other than trying to improve the improve the culture really and so like the fact that it's gone off on its own and people are routinely using it really pleases me. So. No, it's fantastic. And it and I think especially around this time, we're going to come on to talking about uh, COVID-19 in a bit, but uh, it's been, I've used it, you know, and I, I've seen other people use it. And it's just a nice, um, it's a nice go-to because we've got, the, you know, the hashtag academic chatter and academic Twitter and things like that. But it's actually quite nice to say academic mental health, you know, 
this is where this is where you'd want to go to. One thing that interested me actually was when you were talking about the posters and, and interactions that you've had interactions from people who are also professors and and professional uh, services staff. I made the wrong assumption that you probably had more um, engagement or more feedback or response from uh, PhD researchers and maybe postdocs. But it's nice to hear that it's actually the full spectrum. Yeah, so I had to so I had to work quite hard to get some feedback from people at senior levels. So, like, um, I think there, like, as as you said at the start of this, really, there's the, there's huge stigma around mental health, and I think because of the competitive nature of academia, I think as we move up the academic scale, it can actually be like we can at least deem it more dangerous to be vulnerable. Um, because I think you know you're vying for these these like tenured positions, and you're hoping that you look the best out of a pack yeah. of people and so if you show an in inverted commas weakness because you've got mental health concerns which by the way I don't I don't agree with at all um, mm. then people can can worry about um, being vulnerable and so actually it is much harder to get feedback um, at those senior levels but you know again like if you know the people to speak to and the, pe the people are starting to to actually come out and and give some information and you know I've got a small network of professors that I speak to regularly that actually feed into some of the work that I do a lot of them anonymous still which mm -hmm. again probably says something about the situation but that's okay because the more information we can feed into these things and the more likely it's to become destigmatized so mm. yeah it's it's so interesting because um I think going back to my point where people talk about, you know, academia and the toxicity and how do I personally cope? I think we all have different coping mechanisms um, and it's I'd look and see some of my colleagues and, and people I know and see how they cope um, with it. But you are right in that as you you see sort of the, the conversation around how everybody's dealing with things, it sort of dies down as you get to more. One thing that I, I would say has changed actually in this time of um, of, the, of the pandemic has been I see more senior people having that conversation around oh it is a bit stressful oh I'm a bit thing but then we also had the, the other side of it when we went down into lockdown oh this will be a great time to write grants no it won't it really <laughs> no, will not <laughs> or we could get all our papers done no we won't you have so much time really don't <laughs> I I um I really found it fascinating actually with that that kind of rhetoric of like just the privilege that's attached to to that as well. Like, you know, there people have very different um lives and environments and responsibilities. You know, whether it's a caring responsibility or just the responsibility to look after our mental health. Like there's we have to take time to look after ourselves and so like no no I'm not going to be more efficient during lockdown because I've got my computer and I can do everything like yeah. no <laughs> it, it was a hilarious you know just hearing different oh yeah I, I got it I was able to write a few pages for my grant really okay well I had to turn off the news because no more thank you and I did some meditation because that's yeah. what I needed <laughs> you know Good for you. But, yeah. thank you so much but it, you know, but it was a very interesting time because you had at the start of down, you did start to have those conversations oh you've got to make sure you look after yourself and there was I, I feel there's been a change and a shift in how we all communicate when we talk about the pandemic and, and COVID-19 because I felt initially um, around that March time it's like take care be safe look after yourself da, 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 da. and then now it's just the norm 
There's no yeah. be safe, look after yourself. Yeah. There's no make sure you get that work-life balance. It's just how are you getting on? Are, we, are you getting that? Are you I'm, finished? <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really glad you brought that up because I feel like people have forgotten that it's a pandemic yes. and also yes. that like there is a knock-on effect because there's a pandemic. Like, yeah, no, I can't deliver X, Y, Z that we promised before the pandemic because X, Y, Z is, is impossible now because there's a pandemic on and, um, you know, we still need to be making sure that we're checking in with our colleagues I think you know, now more than ever almost because it's become the norm like yeah. we need to make sure we're asking people if they're okay because there's a large portion of us that are not and and especially with the increased workload you know because there's a lot of academics who have a lot of large teaching responsibilities the the best line I've had is when someone says oh did you have a really restful summer no, not really. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to say that's a hard no. <laughs> um, when people have assumed, you know, for some of my academic, you know, academics, my academic colleagues, that this summer, yeah, we too were were resting and they, like, we were preparing. Yeah, I, I was on the beach every day. <laughs> like, yeah, no. that's what I did. No, no, um, you know, we were shifting, getting almost daily or weekly updates of changes. And now we're living through that, you know, and it, and I think that's where people just need to, I think the goals people are setting in terms, and I say this to people, why don't we have just one goal? Let's make it to 2021. Okay. Yeah. That, that's it. You know, I when agree. people say, oh, we should try and do this. Let's just get to 2021. Okay. That is it. And that's my personal goal. So anybody hearing, that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all I may need to do because... Um, Funnily enough, it's also my goal. So <laughs> See, this is why you're here because we're well aligned. <laughs> um, I, there was a point I wanted to talk about. I'm sorry, I, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place because I've oh, got I'm, so many thoughts in my head. I hope it's... I'm more than happy with this. It's fine. Yeah, it's Yay. a conversation, isn't it? So, exactly. Yeah. But I, I actually want specifically to talk about I don't, the academic mental health landscape 2020. Yes. Um, yes. I saw a, a social media campaign. I saw that you posted that a few weeks ago, I think. Could you just talk to us a little bit about that? Because I, I think uh, it'd be good to get other people, you know, get the listeners involved as well. Yeah, so um, the Academic Mental Health Landscape 2020 is um, a project that I'm running at the moment. Um, and it's specifically there because a lot of my projects, um, so like 100 Voices and the blog, are very um, require someone to stand up and say I have a mental health concern and their face is and is put to the put to that right and so I wanted to really acknowledge that it's not always possible for mm. people um, to stand up and say yes I'm experiencing pressures and concerns that are impacting my mental health um, or you know I'm not getting support particularly when you're like working you know, you're actually still working in academia you can't just turn around sometimes and be like oh actually this is a problem for me so the academic uh like landscape project is is designed that people can just write um like their mental health concern on a post-it note um and then you just take a photo of it and send it to me th anonymously through a form um, and what I'm aiming to do is just kind of raise the profile with hopefully not trivializing it too much with it being on a post-it note, which I always worry about. But the mm. like if it's if it's there and it's visible and it's written down, then what I can do is post from my account um, and hopefully then raise like raise some of these voices of these people that don't usually get heard or don't can't usually speak out um, and actually raise them to a point where people can see. Um, and just kind of empower those people even though they can't come forward themselves to 
to, to show what's going on so that's the, that's the it kind sounds, of concept of the project it's, it sounds really good and and i'd definitely love to support by promoting that as well and, and you know advocating for that um also you know to my networks um but actually there was something when you were talking about that you would then post it um and you would sort of be the voice like not the voice but you would be the support how has it been for you taking on this responsibility that has sort of almost bestowed been bestowed onto you and how has that been like what have been let's talk about the joys first and then we'll talk about the negatives let's start positive <laughs> so um so the the joys for like being a, like a mental health advocate in general are that like I will like occasionally have people write to me and say thank you so much like you've helped me and like even when I started doing this I thought if I help one person then then I've done enough and I I felt so alone during my PhD that I aim to be visible enough that people don't feel alone in their own journeys. And so like, I always like imagine that I, I am what I needed back then. And so that's what I try and be and, and provide that for other people. And I, I get a lot of joy out of helping people and just, you know, maybe naively hope hopefully moving towards some form of culture change. Like, I don't think it's like, it can't be me alone. And I think that's a I, I'm not interested in being a figurehead of this I think you know, with some of the stuff I've done I've accidentally been been pushed into into that um but I'm interested in also promoting other people and hearing other voices and I'm not like you know I'm not precious about like being on social media and be like oh well my account needs to have x number of followers and I need to like I, it's not about that it's just about raising the awareness and I think mm -hmm. I, I think I have hopefully kind of got the tone right with with what I'm doing for that and so that that I'm hoping that by by being open and vulnerable myself I can empower others to do the same and yeah that's kind of my goal and that's kind of what I think I'm trying to doing and maybe and getting there so yeah, yeah. um that's fantastic uh, and then I guess if we were to get to like the the negatives like sometimes like I have to protect my own mental health with some of the mm. things that I'm doing like a I I've obviously got a full-time job that I do um, and that has to take priority like it needs to pay the bills I also really enjoy my full-time job so like you know I love being I love being a scientist so um, you know, sometimes I've had multiple people message me now say like you know, I, can't, I can't quite remember the phrasing but it's like how can you be a scientist and a mental health advocate and it's like I can be both and it's fine like and it's, it's sometimes it it like thankfully I'm I'm quite robust and I don't really listen to it but also it's just like I know that there are probably people that are going to think that about me in my professional life as well and I have to just kind of be okay with that mm. um and then sometimes people message me in a lot of distress and it it pains me that I'm the port of call that they found because there should be support there like again like this it comes back to the posters and stuff as well I should not be the go-to right I I refuse to believe that I should be the go-to like <laughs> no one should feel that they need to like direct message me on Twitter and be like I'm having a rubbish time can you help me out and you know, I'm more than happy to do that um but also like it shouldn't be me and I think I think that's that can be a, a negative for me in the sense that but also highlights why why I'm doing what I'm doing as well so it's it's a, it's it's both so. mm, no thank you for that insight because um I, I can imagine those who 
some people would have, I can understand, I can, well, when I say I can understand, not necessarily that I agree with it, but I can understand how people can say, oh, you must hate science, you must hate academia if you're, you know, if you're going to say there's a problem. And people don't realise that, no, there can be a problem and you're still there because that's actually how you affect change. You know, I don't necessarily mean it being in academia, I mean, even just in the sciences, because we're talking a lot about academic mental health, but if we were to go deeper into just science, <laughs> that's yeah. a different, you know, different conversation. Um, and, and it's a shame that people don't realise that you can have this and I guess it's that thing of you're a scientist and you also have this other thing you know and you can equally be the two <laughs> but like my goodness how dare I do some other things like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we're coming towards the end of our discussion um and I'd like us to just end with maybe looking forward and being solution focused because it's been we've we've actually had bits of that in our conversation but let's be solution focused so where do you think uh, one could start? Like, where or where do you think an organization or how? We, no, I'll start that again. I'll start that question again. Um, how rather do you think we could start improving academic mental health on an individual level and maybe also an organization level? So, um, from an individual level, um, I think so. I'm going to almost like try and step back and think about what I would tell myself back when I like, and so. I think one would be understand what self-care is to start with like we don't get any training about what self-care is and like people often think that self-care is just like meditation right and and then or they're like oh well you know I'm not going to sit there and and meditate and well no it's not just meditating it's whether you're eating right or whether you're doing exercise it's it's the time that you put aside to look after you and and both physically and mentally and so I think for your own mental health I think having like a self-care plan like it doesn't have to be written down but just an idea of what you're doing I think and just having that awareness is really important um, and also like when you're running to a tight deadline and something like I used to just like chuck the self-care strategy out the window and I used to be like okay well I've got this deadline to hit so I'm not going to go for a swim because I don't have the time now if I've got a tight deadline I'm absolutely going for a yeah. swim um, because I know that I can't have my my body or my mind fail me because I need to hit the deadline so I think there's actually strength in in kind of investing in yourself and you actually become in, for me at least I'm a better researcher for doing that yeah. um the other thing like personally is or like as, as an individual I say is like if there are people around you like talk to them um because they're probably struggling too. Um, you know, as PhD students, you know, 50% nearly of PhD students experience depression and anxiety during their PhD journey, which is a huge amount. Um, so, you know, statistically, you're going to find someone around you that is also experiencing that. Um, and also just don't be afraid to go and get medical medical help. Like therapy is amazing. Like everyone should do it. I just, I, it, it allows you to talk through what's going on with someone who's entirely independent which is really super useful um so you know I wouldn't be afraid of doing that and I think I've also seen during the pandemic where people have been like well you know so-and-so's got it really bad so they deserve help but I don't and it's like yeah. for me every single individual and how you're feeling you know is valid yeah. And and you're deserving of help and you should go get help. And yeah. you know, it, it doesn't matter how small or inconsequential it feels to you, because yeah. it's the fact that it, it it's there and it's affecting you. You need to go go and get some help. So and there is help available and universities do have help 
Um, and if not, there are also all sorts of different things like you know, social media provides a way of finding other resources as well. So um, and then I guess to answer your other side of this, so like for institutions, I think one, it, like we've kind of talked about um, like awareness. So like actually visibly talking about mental health, talking about some of the other aspects that might affect our mental health, like bullying and harassment, imposter syndrome, financial concerns, like make sure that we're actually highlighting what could cause problems and then how we might, the tools that we can use to actually deal with that. Um, and also like ultimately, like if you can have like people in senior positions talking about it openly, I think that makes it the world of difference. Um, but you've got to create the culture to enable people, people to do that, right? So. Yeah, that visibility and that, you know, it's that, as you said before, that cultural change um, to let people feel comfortable. I also think social media has been a fantastic tool. Like I, I, I'm not, well, I'm now trying to be a lot more consistent with communicating, like posting on, on Twitter and so forth. But I, over the years, I've used social media maybe in stealth mode <laughs> and look <laughs> to see what's going on. But I, I can't, if we had to go through this pandemic without social media, I think it would have been really, really challenging. Um, I think social media as a as a community source as well to yes. engage with people, see what other people are doing and and also get some form of comfort seeing that, OK, other people are experiencing something similar. And then the next thing is, OK, maybe I can try and do something about it. Um, I, I don't know if you agree with that in terms of the use of social media. So I think um, I think one of the things that people can do is doom scroll on on social media, so you this can look true. for the for the bad bits. So I think there is a there can be a bad aspect to social media, but I think one of the important things that I want to try and get across is you can also curate what you see, especially mm -hmm. things with like Twitter, like so you can you can you can mute people, you can block people, you can choose which which has, hashtags you follow. So okay. so you can kind of like have a have a bit of an understanding as to what what's going to come on your feed right and and that way then you can choose to kind of see a bit more of the light rather than the darkness and I think that's kind of what I try to do um because otherwise I'd just be like oh the world has gone terribly bad <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about being able to choose the hashtags that's a really helpful a helpful tip because the the that that's something that sometimes puts me off so when I have my periods of engaging with Twitter versus not in part it's usually because I'm like no I don't like the the conversation that's happening right now so I would just not go on the app but now no you can mute and follow specific hashtags that's good I I hope that if my like if my followers are having a rubbish time and they don't want to see me spouting off about <laughs> academic mental health then I hope they mute me like just mute me like get me out of there right like yeah. if you don't want to see it you don't want to see it and I think that's I think we kind of forget sometimes that we have the power to do that so perfect okay so um Zoe it's been an absolute pleasure having you before you go I would just like you to give us your take-home messages whether it's one or two but just what are your take-home messages and yeah um I guess the first thing would be the academic mental health um, is prolific and there are a lot of people experiencing mental health concerns within academia and so you're not alone um, and if you're experiencing it um, and there is help available I think that would be probably my the main take home I'd like to get across and then also like I guess with the pandemic on and everything it's just like just do the best that you can and to to kind of follow on from what you were saying like let's all just get through to 2021 and yeah. you know it's that's okay it. <laughs> that's it just cut there <laughs> that's it. 
know, it's it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's just like like sometimes sometimes it's okay to be in survival mode, and I think I think a lot of us are, and that's okay, and let's just get through it. Thanks for joining us this week on the Monday Science Podcast. Make sure to visit our website. Uh, Details are in the episode description where you can subscribe to make sure that you never miss the show. Uh, So catch up with you next week. Bye.